Welcome to the Design Daily. And, and the idea is that you're creating an architecture that is the site and not just the building on a site. Chris Mercier stewards architectural design with an eye toward the transformation of environments. Formerly with Frank Gehry's design firm, Chris founded FER Studio in Inglewood, California, a city on the cusp of Southern California's latest wave of renewal. We talk about his firm's out-front approach to architecture and its impact on urban revitalization. I'm honored to be speaking with renowned architect Chris Mercier, founder of FER Studio in Inglewood, California. Chris, thank you for being with me today on The Design Daily. Thank you. You've chosen an intriguing name for your firm, and no doubt many people ask you what it stands for, so I'm just going to be another one of those people to ask you to explain a little bit. Yeah, it kind of comes out of the way we kind of work in some of the ideas we have, but FER Studio basically stands for Form environment and research. And so it's kind of like a statement that we say that I'm <laughs> playing kind at the moment, of course, but it's basically the idea that we're developing the work we do in a response to an environmental condition, be it the context, be it social environment, as well as a lot of research in terms of history, in terms of the client needs and the desires. And so we're trying to pull all that together. And so really the project is an outcome of all of the client's conditions and situations that all come together. And so really it's about that. Your resume, it reads like a list of Oscars. You've worked with Frank Gehry. You've worked on the Guggenheim Museum in Bilbao in Spain, the reconstruction of the World Trade Center in Manhattan, uh, just to name a few. <laughs> You're based in Inglewood, California, where a lot is happening these days uh, with the light rail, with pro football, and where your firm has played a great role in the city's revitalization and renewal. You have an enthusiasm for the reformation of communities. Why is that, and how has that played out in Inglewood? You know, we've been in here in Inglewood for a number of years now, since 2003, looking at ourselves here, and we've been working with the city, with the local artists, with the community, with just trying to promote and help Inglewood kind of grow in the right way and not become kind of an over-gentrified condition, but something that's really from the ground up as much as it is from the in and out. So it's really something that's a little bit of both in terms of its growth. We we helped the city for a number of years. We got a live-work zoning kind of ordinance on, onto the local Inglewood Code, so that's a great thing to help artists kind of start to establish themselves, which happens every year in November is the Inglewood Open Studios, so we participate and help support that every single year, getting artists kind of integrated with the community and showing how evident the art community in Inglewood really is. And we've helped the city even kind of develop some ideas around really creating a downtown kind of TOD zoning. I mean, the new light rail line has come in, and we were big proponents to kind of to see and help that happen. And then we got with the city, and we at least proposed early on to them ways that they might think about rezoning areas to kind of take advantage of the condition that the light rail brings in terms of less car traffic and more multi-traffic conditions. I was going to say, surely that's had a positive uh, impact, and I would imagine you've had an enthusiastic response from the community. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it really, we're kind of in the middle of it right now. It's all kind of, I mean, the light rail's just going in. I think it's due in the next couple of years. The stadium's coming. I think that's also due in 2020. And, uh, you know, we're working with some local um, community businesses as well to develop some projects that are going to become part of in that whole zone in by around the stadium. So, yeah, it's really exciting. How does the architecture of a building impact its environment? I think that's an opportunity statement in the sense of how can the building mm -hmm. impact its environment in, in a hopefully in a positive way. I think sometimes, you know, not so positive things that happen out of architecture that isn't so well planned. But I think that through the right understanding, and again, I'll go back to form environment research, part of it is understanding 
what the form and shape and organizational aspects of the building's architecture takes and how that's a response to both an internal client operational thing as well as to an environment and context in terms of how the city is operating, how the urban condition is evolving and changing, and how you make a building respond to those things so it's coming, you know, it's bringing positive aspects to its owner. It's bringing positive access to its community, kind of from two different sides. So just like you are taking into consideration all of the elements, the lifestyle, et cetera, when you're working with an individual client, with someone one-on-one, you are on a larger scale taking very similar uh, considerations when you're doing something on the scale of a, a city or a city environment. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're very big proponents about understanding the urban condition and making sure that any building we do, be it a single-family residence, be it a larger complex of a you know a number of buildings, but how to make sure that that building is really in response in some form, in some way, to the urban fabric, and it's becoming something that's helping that urban fabric into a you know positive growth condition. Right. Shifting gears just a bit to a very loved era of architecture and one that we're seeing uh, quite a resurgence in in the last several years, and that is the era of mid-century modern. I was wondering, and I believe that you presented on this at, at Las Vegas Market, what differences or connections do you see between homes from the 50s and 60s and modern home design now? Um, yeah, yeah we, I gave a talk on that when we were there, and I, I know we missed it, kind of, you, know, you didn't have a chance to see it, but basically what that talk was a little bit about is evolution of, say, early modernism in terms of the international style, and some of that came out of Europe, and how we kind of, how that evolved into what became mid-century modernism, and I looked at it from a very particular perspective in terms of our work, and it was really about this notion of indoor-outdoor space, which I think is kind of a term thrown around in a little bit of a loose way. And so mm-hmm. what I presented in the talk was that if you looked at this kind of transition from what started in the early, say, 1920s, 1930s in the international style, and then kind of evolved into kind of mid-century modernism of the 50s, 60s, and then even into the 70s, there was this progression of how interior and exterior space, you know, started off, international style is really not a lot about exterior space. It, it occurs, but it's not so much the architecture's response to it in such a way, not really. Or not as much right. as it does as it evolves into mid-century modernism, which opens up a lot more. And in late mid-century modernism, I'd say in this late 60s and 70s, where we're building started to engage that exterior space more as part of the architecture and not just a, com- a condition of interior and exterior. And that's what the talk was kind of based around is that I think our work is, is a lot about about programming or understanding a building's program not so much just as here's the client gives you these basic rooms, say, for a house at the kitchen, some bedrooms, living room, garage, things like that. But we always program it like how do you program the site and not just the building, meaning how do all what could be patios and how does a front yard space and how does a porch and how does all of these pieces also fit into your program that's about the interior of the building. And the idea is that you're creating an architecture that is the site and not just the building on a site. And so what happens or what's supposed to happen out of that process, at least in what we're learning as we play with this, is that the facade of the building or the edge or perimeter of the architecture 
starts to erode in ways that allows exterior rooms to occur that sometimes you can occupy, sometimes you can't. Landscape moves into the house as opposed to just the house kind of pocketing things. It's a subtle condition, but it's something that I think that once you kind of pay more attention to it, there's an opportunity there and how that architecture can become an interesting aspect in terms of how it plays with these conditions. That was an, an incredible mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, it immediately brings to mind, I, would you consider let's say Joseph Eichler's or Richard Neutra's designs to be influential in that regard. Yeah, I used Neutra as one of the examples. <laughs> he, he was the one who really started to bring exterior things into the home itself. So, What do you attribute the, uh, the resurgence in mid-century modern? I, I guess I would see it as this, at least from the perspective, I think everybody's trying to engage with an exterior condition. You know, you have a house and if you only play with the interior of the house, your square footage is limited to such and such square foot. But when that house finds ways to create and wrap around and create garden spaces and create ins and outs, your whole footprint of your house changes in terms of what is an active square footage. And I know that's obviously more obvious here in the Southern California where we live and where I'm going to live anyway and stuff. And But even that, I grew up in Michigan and even there with the minimum time you get for summer, Boy, when it's summer, you want to get all you can get. <laughs> right? Yeah. So even when you do houses there, I think you still want that condition to happen because, again, there's a limited window of when you can get that space and use it, but still you, should, you shouldn't not have the chance to do that. Right. You want to maximize it while you can. <laughs> well, what project are you most proud of and why? Wow, I don't know if I have one like that. <laughs> no, I really don't. I don't have a project. I say I would say... A number of, I guess the way to look at it is it's the latest couple projects are always the ones that playing with the latest ideas okay. that at that point are the most interesting. And so I'm interested in how that kind of rolls into the next. So we just, we just created a concept design for the, can't really talk too much about it, but it's area by the stadium here in Inglewood. And uh, right now that's a very interesting one on the table in terms of some ideas that we've played with, some of this indoor-outdoor space and some larger urban ideas that I'm hoping we're going to hear about this very soon and we're going to go forward in the next couple of weeks on it. So. We are all very excited because of you know the buzz that has been created with um, the stadium coming, with football coming, et cetera. We're, we're all very curious and very excited to see how that plays out because, of course, it stands to be something very beautiful, no doubt. Well, it's actually great because we just, in the last couple of weeks, been meeting with Wilson Meany. They're the developer for that whole project, and they're bringing this kind of great idea to the table. You know, the portion of that project is the stadium itself, but there's also the whole housing aspect, and there's a whole kind of commercial retail shopping aspect to it. And I really commend them in the sense that they're really trying to find ways that they're bringing the local community, local businesses, local community ideas that can get implemented into this project. And we're working with one of those things, like I just mentioned, and I mean, it's exciting to hear that. They're trying to stay away from getting the name brand kind of retails and restaurants that you kind of see everywhere and trying to find unique things that are about Inglewood or evolved out of Inglewood and get those in. And I think that makes for a great intense of how it doesn't become a typical gentrification case, but how it becomes a thing where it's trying to merge with the existing urban fabric from a business retail perspective. It fits right in with the overwhelmingly authentic element that we see playing out so much in furnishings and home design and, and now in architecture as well, and of course, in urban development. And so it fits in beautifully. Last question. You're an artist as well. How on earth did that come about? And how do you have time? <laughs> well, I, as it goes up, the more and more as we kind of go along in terms of these years, I'm finding less and less time for it. But uh, I do actually have a show. <laughs> 
projected now for I, I am doing the show in a couple of years. Wow. I think it's the, the fall of 2019 that I have to have a bunch of work ready for. It. So, oh wow! You know, I I always I kind of see it as it's the same thing. I mean, what I'm doing in in my art paintings slash sculpture piece work is really kind of the same thing we're playing with, maybe with a different media and a different format that we're playing with in the office, and vice versa. I don't see one as this is the thing and the other one back. I see them both as two kind of fronts, and they right. both are kind of moving in similar directions, but in different ways, I think. And I think that the ideas from one feed the other and back and forth. And so, I mean, I'm, I, I was, it's funny because I was always going to be an artist and never really considered being an architect. Or I guess I shouldn't say that. I did consider it, but at some point... <laughs> Later in high school, when I when they say you know you got to pick what you're going to go to, kind of, I had this funny notion of like, well, gosh, if I become an artist, I really couldn't do architecture, but if I become an architect, I can still be an artist. It's, it was this way art. of trying to find the majority of the things you can get after. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. That's the way to do it, and you said it. And I was going to ask you, one must inform the other, and you already said that. Yeah, it goes back and it. forth. They, they, you know, there's things that come up in the art painting process that get intertwined into the architecture and vice versa. Things that go on in the architecture and then fall into the painting. So it's interesting. Fantastic. Great things to look forward to. We'll have to get somebody to give us notification of when uh, your show comes up here in a couple of years. I'll be very curious to see that. I'm sure it will be outstanding. Chris, it's been such an honor speaking with you, and I look forward to seeing more of your great work. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's great. Thanks for joining me on The Design Daily. You can find me at thedesigndaily.com. 